This is the Huddle.com LifeCast. We're talking to inspired and insightful people who have faced life's greatest challenges and broken through. Welcome, everyone, to the Huddle.com Livecast. I'm your host, Mark Stolo. I'm joined today by David Frank Gomes. David is a personal coach. He's also a mindfulness instructor. And David's going to be facilitating a five-week program around mindfulness for stress reduction. And we're going to be talking today about the practice of mindfulness and getting David's unique perspective on how he understands mindfulness in the context of a growth process and how people can engage in the practice of mindfulness in a way that supports meaningful change. David, welcome back. It's funny because every time you talk, the dog wanders in. It's like, I don't know what it is, but she loves your voice. There's something Mark in my started voice. talking, dog comes in. <laughs> I feel classic. like you're trying to steal my dog away from me. You're saying like, it's almost like my voice is like a dog whistle. It's like hypnotic. It's classic. Speaking about mindfulness. So, I mean, everyone, okay, like there's so much talk about mindfulness, right? Like it just seems like mindfulness is what Zen was, you know, like seven years ago. You got to get Zen. Now it's mindfulness. Everyone's talking about mindfulness. And I think, honestly, not everyone's talking about mindfulness the exact same way. Um, and, And we don't have enough time to, you know, uncloak all the ways that people refer to mindfulness. I, I want in service to you and to this conversation, talk about how you understand the experience of mindfulness. So maybe like, you know, Cole's notes version when, when you, <laughs> when you, when you, when you, when one ex- is experiencing mindfulness, right? Because mindfulness is not a thing, right? It's, it's not an act it's not so much an activity that exists outside of me. It's not like I go play mindfulness or engage in, right? Right. How do you understand mindfulness as, as a state of being in the world? Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's sort of the tactical definition, which is, you know, non-judgmental present moment awareness, um, what is the present moment? It's very difficult to really say, right? Um, every thought I think is now a memory. So the, the present moment is hard. So I, I prefer a more aspirational approach, which is, you know, how can we become friendlier with the way things are? How can we become friendlier in the present moment without having to necessarily add anything or take anything away? And so mindfulness, really, it's not a technique, it's not a strategy, um, but the benefits of practicing, and I I use the word practice, I consider myself a practitioner, right? I'm a practicer. And so the only way you can practice mindfulness is right now. You cannot practice tomorrow, you cannot practice yesterday. Hmm. And so... Um, 
it's kind of a container really of how we pay attention in our world. And it's not any more complicated than that. The problem is, as one of my teachers said, is that some of these techniques are so simple that they are ignored or not taken seriously. Right. So people want to read about mindfulness. I mean, you could spend the rest of your life reading about mindfulness. Uh, it's 99% practice and 1% theory. So I'm not interested in a lot of theory. There's a lot of books out there. I'm interested in real world practice. And when you do practice it, the byproducts are a, a more open heart, a little less stress seems to reduce, a little more kindness. So there's no situation in which paying careful, kind attention would not be a helpful antidote and a healing response in life. And yeah. that's mindfulness. It's interesting with mindfulness that it's hard to talk about. It seems easier to talk about what it isn't than what it is. Because to your point, trying to hold on to and have a conversation about the present moment almost feels a little bit like water through a sieve, right? It's just, it's just very <laughs> difficult to hold on to it. So the second you start talking yeah. about it, you've perturbed it in some way. And that's, and that's the paradox of, of, of talking about enlightening experiences or ever-present awareness is that they elude language. So let, let's maybe focus on talking about what it, what it isn't. Um, the first thing you said is, you know, non-judgmental awareness. Well, what's judgmental awareness? Like what's the, what's the flip side of what are the, what are the, what does it mean to, let's say, what does it mean to live not mindfully or to be in a not mindful state of awareness? Do you remember, you know, back in the day, they used to have these label guns, you know, if you ever worked retail, <laughs> you know, you get the label gun and yeah. you put the price in and right. that's judgment, right? Yeah. Right. So I could be judging you. Why is Mark asking me these hard questions? He was supposed to ask me an easy question. I wonder what that means. What's going on with that cushion back there? What is that? You know, like the, the, the mind is like a dog with a bone, right? Right. So um, what we're trying to do is just kind of allow the moment to be as it is with less labeling. Uh, you know, we live in a world of duality, opposites. Now, what people want to do is they want to split it off. They want just the good stuff. Like, give me the good stuff. Give me the joy. Give me the sunset. And I, I don't want any of that pain. So, but mindfulness is, you know, and that's the suppression expression cycle. Like, if you look at our modern world, we suppress, 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 and then it expresses. Right. Mindfulness says, hey, it's all here. It's all available. It's all, it's all something we can work with. So I'm not suggesting that, you know, you become a yes robot and it's like, yes, everything is wonderful. It's not positive thinking. I'm not talking about that. It's acceptance. Hmm. It's the opposite of judgment, which is I have to accept this moment. Mark asked me a hard question and I don't have the answer. Yeah. So it's less story, more fact, right? Mindfulness is about facts, not fiction. Yeah. It's just, what's the fact? Yeah. That's a hard question. It's raining today. Mm. What's the judgment? It's raining today. Raining makes me depressed. Oh, God, the weather's so awful here. Ugh. 
Yeah. I haven't been on a holiday forever. <laughs> you know, and, and then, you know, 20 minutes later, you're somewhere else in your head. And yeah. so what we're trying to do is just gently bring ourselves to the moment and go, okay, yeah, this, this is what's happening. I just wrote a piece about this that we, I published on Playbook, and it was inspired by a story about Krishnamurti, who was asked about what the secret to life was, and his answer was, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, it's a very powerful, simple statement um, of honoring the content of your experience. It's just content. Yeah. The, the stuckness is the vantage point, right? It's your point. It's the perspective that you stand outside of your experience and that you label it with a bunch of different things, to your point, the things we find pleasant or unpleasant. And then you spend your life trying in the wrestling ring with let me remove all of the things out of my consciousness that are unpleasant and then I'll be happy again. Yeah. There was a great saint in India who said, struggle ceases in surrender. If you surrender, you cheerfully face everything that happens to you. Success and failure, honor and dishonor, praise and blame, gain and loss are the same to you. And that requires a continual remembrance of God. Or if you don't like that word, you could say a continual mindfulness presence. Hmm. In my tradition, we don't call it mindfulness. We call it practicing the presence. You could practice the presence of peace, of love, of kindness, of, of you name it, right? It's a practice. The challenge is, is that for a lot of people, the, the sense of the reality of their inner self, right, that that person that's that that they imagine sitting in the center of their brain, wherever they feel like their their consciousness is housed. For a lot of people, it's in their head. For some people, it's another. Maybe it's in their stomach. Or um, feels very real. Feels very very dominant. It's so entrenched in how we move through our daily experience. And so, for people, it's normalized. Like, what do you say to someone who says, "But I'm a thinking being. All I do all day is think and." discern and judge and decide and choose and and feel in control out of control i you know there's just me after all i'm just me like what do you talk like who's what else is there if there's not me yeah yeah that's a that's a very fair question for sure and you know there's a saying that the the mind is a great servant and a terrible master right so let's be honest, we're, we're living in a mind-dominated world. We're up here, we're living in an information age, we're overwhelmed by information. So the central lie is, I don't have enough information, I need to think some more about this. Right. So here, here's a simple example of, of, of how, how it works. So let's say that your hand is your awareness, and I'm going to use this crystal, and, and let's say this is your unwanted feelings or emotions or whatever's coming up, right? And so it's in your awareness. Now, now if I clench it like this very tightly, it's uncomfortable. But after a while, I can get used to it. <laughs> and it becomes sort of the new normal if you want. It's like having a low-grade fever. And so this is kind of how we sort of practice thinking, mind, feeling, emotion. And so but, you know, there's another way to handle it, which is sort of with open awareness, right? Now I can roll it around and I can also just drop it. And so, you know, th this is how we're living a lot of times. We're in resistance 
So the opposite of mindfulness is the state of resistance. It's the state of things being kind of closed down. Why? The Buddha said it. He said, I won't use the word suffering. It's more like dissatisfaction. People are dissatisfied. They're never quite satisfied with the way things are. And so in that sense, yeah, your mind is not your friend <laughs> in that sense, right? Because it does seem very real. So, but the practice of mindfulness, the practice of meditation, other contemplative practices reduces the volume on that. And you can start to get in touch with, you know, uh, another voice inside of you. Right. Yeah, the mind's okay. a real Woody Woodpecker. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that we acknowledge that, you know. First of all, it's always talk, 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 talking at the tree. And then as a Woody Woodpecker, it's a troublemaker. I mean, the, yeah. brain, the mind is a, a problem-solving machine, which yeah. means it likes to solve things and it likes to create problems. Yeah, and it's matching patterns, right? So let's be honest. We all tend to live in the two kind of extremes. We're, we're living in the past, you know, we're thinking about all the things that are impossible to change and going, ah, I wish I'd said that. Ah, I wish I told Mark that. And I had this brilliant thing I was going to tell him, but I never did. Or we're living in this imagined fantasy future. It's like, God, I hope that podcast works out when it gets, you know, it's like, so we, we've got these two polarities. So what happens to the present moment? It's annihilated. It doesn't exist. So I'm not here. And I like this analogy. It's like when you bring, you bring the past and the present together into the future, it becomes a pranam, you know, it becomes a, you're bowing to the present moment. Mm. And is it hard? Yes. It, it doesn't mean that every moment shows up and it's perfect. Uh, some moments show up and they're very painful. People get sick, they get cancer, they have uh, loved ones die. Um, all these things are happening. But what we're trying to do is create the space and, and figure out how can we make all this okay? Because it's going to happen anyways. Mm. Yeah, and I think the shift in perspective when you start to get in, um, into more ever-present awareness is you also let go of the idea that all these things are happening to you. Right. That's, and that's so important as part of the process of you know, of that kind of diffusion or some would call maybe a disassociation where not everything is hyper-personalized and not everything is about you, um, which really, and the more it's entrenched in you, the more, again, you you identify with it. Um, and 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 you're, you're right that it's, it's, it can be a painful process to unpack that. You know, you've accumulated a lot of psychic content in your life some of which you've used to protect yourself and create a kind of boundary around yourself. And so there's a releasing that comes with a certain amount of uh, discomfort and then some things that you're just avoiding. And, but there's two sides of the same experience, right? They're the things that Mark Stolo avoids and they're the things that Mark Stolo associates with himself. And they're ex pretty much exactly the same thing in reverse. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's a very, so, you know, in the exercise, I think for some people, I, I like to kind of break with that idea that there is also in this, in the experience of mindfulness, the, 
the fact that things will arise in consciousness that will feel unpleasant. Um, it, and that's okay. I mean, part of that is just being also present with things that are not perfectly pleasant, or at least how you judge them t- to be perfectly pleasant, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the wisdom traditions, we have this notion that, well, it's not a notion, it's, it's truth. Everything arises and passes away. Hmm. Right? right? So mindfulness isn't about, it, again, like I'm not suggesting that positive thinking isn't a wonderful thing, but people mistake that sort of the surface of it. Mindfulness is about acceptance. It's about depersonalizing things. It's about turning down the volume on judgment. Um, it's about getting off autopilot, yeah. right? So um, it doesn't mean that at every moment I'm this mindful guru, you know, um, uh, but it means that you start to bring this gentle awareness into your life a little more often, mm. which means you can stop and take a breath and observe. You can pat the dog. You can... Um, you cannot take everything quite, as you said, so personally. There, yeah. There's so many ways to practice. Um, but the more you talk about it, in a sense, the, the farther away you get from it. Yeah. it it's, you know, it's, it's a hard subject to, to, to sort of teach that way. Um, because everybody has the opportunity to just be more present in their life. It's you know, also that means you have to you, you have to get into the bigger mystery here, right? Yeah. What is the purpose of your life? Yeah, and the and the flip side of the paradox is you're not really. It's more about accessing that which is present, which which again, it is not an artifact, it is not an asset, it is not something that is created. It is something that you're tuning into, right? It's then this is where. Again, the teachability side of it, to your point, is somewhat limited. It's like saying, let me teach you about the thing that you're already immersed in. But l- let me let me clear the mirror, so to speak, so that you can see that you're immersed in the present. And, and, and there's a kind of a weird trick of the trade there, which is why a lot of wisdom traditions actually use very subtle tools. Like if you think about the Zen Koan or other tools that are employed by teachers or coaches or others to help provoke the awareness of what is actually happening right now. Because the student will often approach the teacher and say, teach me that which I do not know, right? Right. And the teacher says, in so many words, like, just get out of your own way. (laughs) I'm not going to give you something you don't have. My job here is to facilitate you waking up to what is already well within your the capacity of your consciousness. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good point, and you, I would agree with you. That's the wisdom tradition teachers. They teach in a different way. It's a paradox because you have to use the mind to transcend the mind. You can't think your way into mindfulness, but you can remind yourself of certain practices. And... Um, my sense is 
I don't guarantee that mindfulness will do you know anything for you. It won't make you lose weight. Probably you may, may not make you sleep better. May not even make you feel less stressed. I, I don't know. I'm not going to make any promises. I I don't like all that stuff, and I don't. I'm not interested in all the science. There's a ton of science out there. What I'm interested in is will you practice it with me for five weeks, and will you practice it daily with me for five weeks? And if you do. I guarantee you will feel a shift within yourself. Right. It may not be, you know, some, you know, like godlike coming down, but I guarantee you will feel more relaxed in your body. You will feel more relaxed in your mind, and you will be more present in some of these beautiful moments. I was at the garden this morning, you know. Uh, early in the morning with the dogs and watering and the light came through the clouds. And I mean, I was just, I mean, so simple, Yeah. but I was able to tune into it because I wasn't thinking about the podcast, which is where, what we're always doing. Right. So of course we miss all these beautiful moments Yeah. and I'm a coach. I work with people who are middle-aged and they come to me and say things like, you know, I missed my kids growing up or, you know, uh, my father died and I never got to get to know him. Why? Because we're mindless, because we're on autopilot and we're not living in a way that we can allow these things. And so that's my hope. If, if people are interested in this course, um, this online course, is that it's not a magic pill, but it's, it's a lifetime of practice. And it's so beautiful when, it, when you when you tune into it. Yeah. You know, it's, a That's very, all I can say. Yeah. I think the, the pre the gift of the present moment, you know, the sheer beauty of it is that it's so absolutely brilliantly simple. Yes. And yet it's, we make it so completely and totally convoluted and complicated. And that it's, it's to stop the cycle of craving. No one I know, ever has ever said to me this endless craving feeling I have, it's really providing me a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever said that to me. Yeah. You know, and there, there's a, uh, you know, the, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. It's all about resistance. It's a wonderful book, but in essence, it's this, this dissatisfaction, this, this, this resistance where it, it actually doesn't feel good, but we, we, we seem to believe that um, if we resist enough, it, it somehow will improve things for us, right? Because it wasn't supposed to happen this way, but it did happen this way. So um, that's, that's the most basic of mindfulness techniques. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you know it was supposed to happen to you? Because it did. That's how you know. Right. So can you get with it? Like, get with it. Right. And from that place of more acceptance more loving kindness now you're in a better place to step off like into the next moment you know and i i have a quote on my desk by my teacher can i read it to you sure this this sums up mindfulness live each present moment completely and the future will take care of itself fully enjoy the wonder and beauty of each instant practice the presence of peace the more you do that the more you will feel the presence of that power in your life. 
So, you know, if you're happy with the way things are, then you probably don't need to take the course. But I don't know anyone who couldn't use a bit more mindfulness, myself included, right? I mean, I've been practicing for a long time, and there are still moments where I completely forgetting, 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 remember. Yeah. That's the practice. You fail, you just keep starting over. And, you know, Ram Dass said, we're all walking each other home. That's, that's the hope for my course. I'm, I, I, I'm not here to be the guru. I'm here to walk with people. I want to walk with them. Do some practices. Learn how to body scan. Do a basic meditation, mindful eating, uh, mindful walking, like some really easy, practical things you can integrate today. Yeah. It's not a four-year PhD. <laughs> It's right? uh, although yeah. we could do something in a cave in Tibet, maybe if you if you could arrange that, <laughs> that's, that would be that's, the second level. That's tier two. Tier two. That's tier two. <laughs> yeah. So you know that's that's the essence of it: practicing the presence of peace. Yeah, I can say with uh, a deep sense of gratitude and honesty that supporting people's mindful practice in your hands is a gift. And you, you know, you live through your practice, which I think is absolutely essential as an effective teacher, supporter, instructor, however you want to frame that um, guide. Um, for people who are interested in enrolling in the five-week program, it's we have a link up on Eventbrite, and we'll include it in the podcast link. Uh, there's an initial orientation session where we kind of address some of the challenges that people experience in their daily lives. And David will give a bit of a primer about what people can expect from the five week program. Um, and to manage expectations, this is a practical program. Like we're inviting people to actually engage in the exercise of mindfulness. Uh, this is not about just instruction. This is about a real deep living, breathing experience. And hopefully it'll something that people will integrate more deeply into their lives in a, in a more consistent and and, and ever-present way. Yeah, no holding your breath in this course. No, <laughs> I mean, what I'm really hoping is that it is going to be experiential. Um, it's going to be fun and gentle and kind, and there'll be lots of little moments to practice together. And But it does require, you know, uh, for those who like theory, there'll be a nice thick workbook uh, with lots of theory. <laughs> And, um, but it does require 15 to 30 minutes a day of practice. That's what I recommend. Yeah. Um, or more. Um, but it's not difficult practice. And you'll actually find as you engage with some of these ideas, they, they feel pretty good. Yeah. Right. And they make you uh, better. I, I don't even want to use the, like, they make you more attentive in your relationships. They make you more aware of, uh, it's, it's, it's a practice of loving kindness towards yourself, first of all, and then it, it radiates out into the world. Yeah. So I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be fun and, you know, it's some, it's something new for me too. So, um, to sort of do it on zoom. Yeah. So I'll be accompanying David for the five weeks as kind of a, very simple moderator and facilitator just supporting people who are joining in. Oh, you were going to say it's a very simple molecule. Oh, a simple, simple. At a molecular say, level, wow, I'll be joining David. Is he going to reduce himself to a molecule? <laughs> Watch me reduce myself to a molecule through mindfulness. Um, 
So you can join David for the five-week program. We encourage that, and we'll have a link. And you can stay connected and continue learning with David in the Huddle community, which is a place to meet amazing people who are sharing wisdom and finding support and and working on that process of growing up and kind of waking up and becoming the best versions of themselves. This has been the Huddle.com Livecast. I want to thank you for tuning in, and thank you for turning on to your lives. Mm-hmm.